0: Welcome to Engineering Stories, a podcast presented and produced by Silver Fox and the Institute of Engineering and Technology. This week's guest is Ying Wan Lo, an operations specialist who at a young age already has a wealth of engineering experience. Ying is also a STEM ambassador, encouraging young people, particularly young women, to think about a career in engineering. So, without further ado, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Engineering Stories. I'm Alex and I'm the head of R&D at Silver Fox. I'm an electrical and electronic engineering graduate from the University of Bath and alongside we have my co-host Connor Moringolo.
1: Hello, I'm Connor Moringolo. I'm a former um, electronic and communications engineering student and I'm going to be working at Airbus doing robotic systems.
0: And with us today we have Ying Wanlo. Ying, would you like to
2: introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Ying Wan Lo, also a former student uh, from the University of Glasgow. I did mechanical engineering design um, and, uh, yes, a childhood engineer and an operations specialist.
0: Cool. Um, Can I just say that us saying former student is like, you know, that, that meme that went around, which was like, james
1: davis former child (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i I remember that but the thing is um i'm allowed to say it because it was just so early for me yeah connor Connor
0: hasn't have you even graduated yet officially
1: i no no, not well they've told me i've graduated via an email and uh that's as good as that's as good as i've gotten right now but anyways anyways (laughs) lovely to have you on and just for kind of like a, a starter could you tell us how you got into engineering
2: yeah sure um where do we start so when i when I was a kid, I didn't know about engineering so that's that's the background right like we we all grow up wanting to become doctors or teachers and you know astronauts like these are cool, but we don't know what engineers do so so that's that's sort of like you know not knowing what engineering is until you start to well, un- until I have I did my A levels and I have to pick what to do in uni. <laughs> that's when I start flipping through the university, um, you know, the courses and it's like, oh, there's something called engineering, um, you know, it, and you start reading more about it and I realise actually that that could be something that's quite fun to do, and the reason being I, I'm more like a creative person, so I, I like arts and all that, but I also you know, enjoy being an analytical and actually applying some of the, you know, theoretical, like maths and physics in real life. So I thought, like, doing design engineering is quite um, an obvious choice for me. So I decided to give it a go. I know, like, you know, choosing university subjects, I, that was quite a, yeah, let's give it a go. Um, did it, and it was super amazing. I would not choose, like, anything, other like, any other things. Like, this is, the, engineering is, like, super great, basically. <laughs>
1: Very good selling point at the moment. (laughs) What would you say then your favorite uh, topic was of engineering when you were studying? So out of all of the modules that you did and classes, what was your top dog? This is the best. I love it.
2: I think the best subject is materials because there's always often like breakthroughs coming through every few years and it's always really exciting. And it's not just discovering new materials, but I think in engineering, it's how do you apply them in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Like for example, can we have like some coatings materials that you know um, uh, that that's cleans itself or or heals itself, and you actually use that in construction? So these are like some really powerful things, and and I'm always very excited by you know that pr- prospect of innovation um in there.
1: Lovely. Did you become a STEM ambassador when you were in university, did you like try to represent your uni straight away or did that come later?
2: So as a STEM ambassador, uh, no, that was not until I started working with Mm -hmm. Rolls-Royce. then I started finding out um, more about actually, you know, we, we want more engineers and there is a skills shortage. There's not enough of us. Um, And then there's this program for us to sign up to volunteer as STEM ambassadors. So Yeah, sign up and actually I really, really enjoyed uh, the experience.
0: We've asked this a lot on this podcast, but what do you think the key is to fixing that skills
2: gap? Fixing the skills gaps. Um, I think. Well, how I see it, like, maybe two things. The first one is actually building the pipeline. So that's actually inspiring more young people to do engineering um, and actually let them know how exciting it is as a career and how impactful it could be. So that's the first one. And the second one, I think it's also uh, making the current uh, engineering industry more diverse um, and actually trying to attract more people from different backgrounds or um, yeah, just different backgrounds. So you don't need to. For example, some people come into engineering not having an engineering degree, but they were they, they came into the industry and actually switched to become an engineer. So and they become very successful as well. So that's another option.
0: Do you think it's an issue the other way? Do you think there are too many people leaving engineering mm. as a profession, or even like graduating and then not going into engineering? Because there are plenty of spots in at university. Apprenticeships, etc., that that have engineering or engineering skills. So, do you think that's an issue?
2: That could be potentially an issue. I think during my career, I've not seen many people leaving engineering for a different industry. That's because I think it is genuinely quite a rewarding uh, career to have, and people generally enjoy it. Right. Um, from the university for in yeah in university, I think there are some people who would you know did an engineering degree and then choose to go into finance, for example. Um, for that, I think you know it's it's up to people's choices, right but I think it's um either way, I think the skill sets they've learned as an engineer still applies no matter where you go and hopefully you know that that become useful to them at some point in their life. <laughs>
1: Just um, on your comment, I think that it isn't about uh, engineers leaving. I think it's about picking the right discipline because I think a lot of people, like my little brothers, for example, when I say, oh, well, what do you think I do? They say, oh, you do engineering. And there's so many different engineering subdisciplines, mechanical, electronic, that it's kind of lost in that way because some people might think, oh, I want to do engineering, but they actually don't know what kind of engineering would suit them sometimes you just kind of look at the generalized situation and you don't look deeper.
2: I think I really want to echo that right Um, that's definitely true Um, there is a campaign actually trying to raise awareness of how different and how exciting engineering could be so it's telling the world that being an engineer like you can be on an oil rig or a racetrack or in the lab or you know in an office you know working on designs it could be as diverse as that um, and it is about picking what excites you and what makes you tick so you know really really agree with you on that point do
0: you think that one of the issues is maybe that kids and most most grown-ups first or main interaction with engineers and for those who can't see the video i'm putting engineers in inverted commas is the, the guy who comes to fix something in the house and therefore everyone sees engineering as as that
2: yes that is an issue and it's almost as if it is that an english word thing like because i i believe yeah. in germany they have different words yeah engineer is like a protected N- title yeah. like you can't just Tell people that you are an engineer. I
1: I agree with that because every time like a chair breaks or a stool breaks in my house, my dad goes, you're an engineer, you have to fix it. And I'm like, well, no, I'm definitely not that kind of engineer because we'll have a slanted table or, you know, it's not going to (laughs) work. When you're talking to people, you have to kind of protect your own role. If you get what I mean? Like here, you have to kind of say, I am this, this with this company. It's like, as you said, in Germany, they have different, like they have separations because, like, they are different. And um, yeah, d- there is a little bit of an element to that. I think uh, I do agree. I, d- I agree with you completely.
2: And I, and I think, like, for little kids, right? You know, having that image is really important. Like when we when we say a, a doctor or a teacher or an astronaut, it's like super clear what yeah. that means. But when you say an engineer, like, what comes out in your mind? It's not mm. clear. So I think this is also where we need to, you know, do a little bit more work and communicating what we do. I think that
1: is also a good thing, though, that the fact that a child doesn't really know what an engineer is because it's so versatile. I think because Mm. it's such a versatile discipline, you can't actually represent an engineer by one person or one thing. You can't. It's just not going to happen. That versatility is important, but I think showing that to kids is the most important, Mm. showing that there is change. I was going to ask you what, what what kind of made you go to Glasgow then over all the other universities? What were, why why Glasgow?
2: That's that's a very interesting question. I sometimes ask myself the same question. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, um, basically, I I I know I wanted to do something that combines design and engineering, and at the time there are not a lot of universities offering that. They either do pure, you know, mechanical design or you become pure, like, I don't know. Sometimes they do, like, industrial design and product design. But Glasgow is the one that I found that combines des- mechanical design engineering. And there's a bit of a collaboration with, like, the Glasgow School's School of Art as well. So I thought that's pretty cool. You know, I, I kind of get the the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, and so yeah packed my bags and uh, off, off i went to glasgow and didn't know anything about the weather until i <laughs> landed there <laughs> was it
1: was it a shock
2: absolutely <laughs> i mean i i grew up in a tropical country right and then like my first year there, it snowed so badly like people were abandoning their cars on the streets so <laughs> had
0: had you seen snow before
2: yeah yeah i did like my travels but not like the level that scotland is. yeah
1: i was gonna i was gonna say i bet you got there and you were like this isn't this isn't good <laughs> i picked the wrong place <laughs> but i i hear it's absolutely lovely though um the glasgow uni mm-hmm. scotland universities really a uh, different different I, th- I think connor went to the wrong uni i'll be honest <laughs> <laughs>
2: you can continue education yeah, I, can, I can do
1: a, <laughs> a master's whenever i like it's fine
2: yeah, it's fine yeah, it's yeah. all good oh did i forget to say like one of the other reasons i wanted to go to glasgow because it looks like hogwarts <laughs> that was like what Fair that's enough. Major i factor. mean
0: I, I, honestly i think i think a lot of people from from abroad would probably be drawn to a university
1: because yeah, it of looks that. like that
2: so i did my my undergraduate in glasgow and i wanted more of it mm. so i actually did my master's in cambridge
1: Oh, so you kind of like there upgrade. there's, there, there's there, an like... upgrade in Hogwarts. You went <laughs> <laughs> So what did, what did you do your masters in?
2: My masters in industrial systems manufacture and management. It's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what um for for any um aspiring Cambridge uh applicants. I think I've got like a double barrel question. How difficult was it to get in? which is pretty much everyone's question. And uh, how difficult was the actual uh, course itself? I am very curious.
2: I mean, I always see myself as a pretty ordinary person. Like before I got into Cambridge, I had the same, like, you know, it's almost like legendary. I do not know anyone who ever been to Cambridge. And I'm like the first one who has no contacts, no networks whatsoever just writing out my application late at night in the library, and I was like, I'll give it a go, you know? And yeah. um, in terms of difficulty, I mean, my first application was rejected, mm-hmm. and then I applied again. So it's also about being persistent and not giving up. Mm. Um. the other thing is, they. I think it's like you really, really need to show a passion in the subject, mm. you know, rather than showing how smart you are and all that, you know? Mm. It's, it's more like how passionate you are, and why you have to do this, and why this is your destiny. <laughs> So I think it it needs to come, I, I, I feel that I have to put a lot of that into the yeah. application to say that why I really wanted to do this and why I will, you know, how it would help my career after that. Yeah. Um. And, and it, it's kind of been true, right? After, you know, since Cambridge, I've stayed in the manufacturing industry and currently doing operations. So it's all been very relevant.
1: Is there any specific advice for any A-level students or any graduates that are trying to get in right now. And the
2: first advice is don't reject yourself before anybody does. Mm. So that's my lesson of putting in the application despite, you know, not having any hope or not having any context, Mm. right? That's like, you have to put yourself out there. That's number one. Um, And number two, it's also reach out to people. Um, I have reached out to strangers and just sort of cold calling lecturers or finding people on LinkedIn and say, Hey, I'm applying. Do you think you will be able to help or offer some, you know, some advice or a 10 minute calls Mm -hmm. that also works, right? Also being really proactive and try to find some sources. Um, Mm. yeah, I think that two main advice, but also, you know, just, I would say go for it. And and also if you get it, you get it. Great. If not, then there are also so many different routes in life that are equally exciting.
0: Lovely. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Other than getting into Cambridge and Glasgow, um, have you found any other barriers in the world of engineering? That could have, that could be as a woman, that could be as a as an international student, could be anything.
2: Barriers. I think a lot of barriers are psychological. So it's about you know sometimes people are well it's about being afraid to take risk, and that's my biggest lesson over the years. It's don't be afraid to take risk. Just you know put yourself out there. And if you're willing to do that and willing to fail and learn, then, you know, you can easily overcome cultural barriers, language barriers, um, you know, gender barriers, you know, all that. Like I think it's, it's about being, you know, having that courage to, to put yourself out there and, and fail. And it's OK to fail. Sometimes um, you pick yourself up again and, and carry on.
1: Obviously, during your university and your career, you're in, obviously, as they say, a male-dominated field. What What is that like? And for other women that want to go into engineering, it can be intimidating, obviously. What advice would you give to them?
2: Yeah, I think it is male-dominated. So a lot of times I would be, you know, the only uh, women in the team or, or in the classroom. And... I think initially that could put some people off. Like, you know, psychologically, it's like it's a bit daunting, um, especially if you have to like stand up and present. So the advice is not to be taken by that and also form networks and support groups. I think that's also very important. Having I have a, a female mentor um, in university and actually she's she a professor and she shows me that obviously it can be done. And she's a very, very successful professor leading her own lab and her own team. So, you know, always have that role model or some, someone who can support you. Um, and, and it will massively help. But then, as you know, I think it's initially daunting, but you know, once you get used to it, it, it gets a lot better and you almost don't notice it afterwards. And, and I think, based on the statistics, more and more women are joining engineering. So it gradually grows from, you know, nine to maybe 10, 12% now. And that's, you know, lots of effort has gone into it, trying to encourage more women to join. And hopefully, you know, if if there are women in engineering who feels a bit alone, it will get better, you know, based on the stats. And also, like, try to encourage more women to join, right? Get more diversity.
0: Do you think diversity is the key to engineering success?
2: I wouldn't say it's the only factor, but I have seen it worked magic in the past. So I have been in a very diverse teams. And when I say diverse, it's not just gender diversity, right? It's all sorts of diversity. And, um, mm. you know, when we brainstorm and we try to problem solve, um, it, you get people from so many different experience that they have a lot to put forward. And you, you put all these ideas together, you can genuinely come up with really good ideas, and I think that's one of the. The importance of diversity because we are building engineers are building the world, uh, are building things for the world that are diverse, right? We have to represent the society that we are building for, so um, that's that's one reason I always very passionate about the topic.
1: Would you say that your mentor, for example, that would she in, would she be the one that would aspire you to be a professor yourself or? Would you would you not really go down that road in in your future career is what I'm more referring to.
2: You mean in academia?
1: Yeah, as in would you would would you ever go in to be a professor? If 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 just out of curiosity.
2: Um, I have done some amazing. I have done some really cool research, right? I've built like an ultrasonic drill for Mars. That's that's the research where I get to know the female professor. Um. But there are obviously other like uh, my my supervisor is a, is a is is a man, but he's he's super as well. I think I've done some really cool research, but I think academia at the moment is not for me because I I like to be super hands on. I like to see mm-hmm. what I'm working on. You know, being out there in the world. You know, whether yeah. it's building jet engines or or something else. Like, I like to see something out there. I think research means sometimes there is a gap between what you're working on until it, you know, it's, it gets applied in the world. So maybe not for now, but if I come across a topic that I, you know, I am super passionate about, then yes, I might go and take a PhD. I,
1: I do, I do like your casual comment on the ultrasonic uh, drill for Mars, mine. <laughs> it's just like something that you do every day.
2: That was my undergraduate yeah. project and like one of my proudest. Um,
1: undergraduate.
2: And we we published papers in the AIAA, which is like the sort of aeronautics um, conference, which is quite a prestigious journal. Wow. So So tell us about that. So an ultrasonic drill for Mars, which basically is a drill, right? When you send a rover to Mars, you have to drill for samples. And you have seen like at the moment, we have Perseverance up there. Um, During my uni times, uh, there was Curiosity. And the... Yeah, and all, they all have to drill for samples. The challenge about drilling samples in space is that you have low gravi- you have very low gravity, which means mm. you don't, you can't exert enough like force on the drill to really drill deep. So our, you know, like our solution or our technology to overcome that is to use piezoelectric. So instead of a rotary drill, it's a sort of percussive kind of mechanism. So you only need to pass electric through the piezoelectric materials and it vibrates at an ultrasonic frequency and you can drill into um, like Mars rocks and Mars terrain.
1: So just out of curiosity then, how did you go about getting this project?
2: How did I get the project? I think there was also a lesson that I learned. Usually when people come to final year project, they will sort of sit there and wait to be assigned because most of the time you get assigned a project and a supervisor. Like, I mm-hmm. didn't want that. I want to work on something that I am genuinely interested in. So the summer before my final year, I started Googling um, the departments in Glasgow and say, oh, you know, do they have anything about space? Like, who's working in, in those projects? And I found my supervisor, um, Patrick, and he's, he's a great guy. So I emailed him like in, in, during the summer holidays and say, hey, I, I have to do a final year project. Are you willing to take on like an extra um, student to, to help you with your research?" And and he said, yes. And it was super cool because a lot of that research originally come from JPL in NASA, so the Jet Propulsion Lab, and yeah. my supervisor mm. knows a lot of those guys as well. So had I decided to stay on, I would be able to like <laughs> yeah. do a PhD with the NASA guys, right? <laughs> So yeah. I think the lesson here for like students is don't wait to be assigned your final year project because if you get a really good one, that's also a really good stepping stone for you to either, you know, whether to go on to master's, PhDs or, or even the industry, right? I think I, I, do, I will give a lot of credit for my final year project for getting me the job because I can show uh, employers that how passionate I am in, in my studies and in engineering and that's what they're looking for when they interview people.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Silver Fox, the producers of the Fox Flow cable label. This low smoke zero halogen label has been tested to the highest specifications to ensure its durability and reliability in a range of different brands. To find out more or discuss a particular project, contact sales at silverfox.co.uk or call them on plus four 01707 373727. At Rolls Royce, was were you working with the I'm gonna call it the space department?
2: Well, Rolls Royce is like a, you know, there's not, there's no space division, unfortunately. We only like, <laughs> we only make, jet, we make jet engines, and we make yeah. engines for, um, like the defense and the military. Like we did not go beyond, like we don't build rockets, unfortunately. Um, not yet. yet. Not Rolls, yet. Rolls, the guys
0: at Rolls Royce are quickly being like, edit that, edit that. We're doing that. <laughs> um,
2: this is gold. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess rocket engines are a little bit different, but yeah, maybe go on, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, it's, yeah, no rockets, but equally, jet engines are like one of the most beautifully e- product ever been designed in the world, in history. Hmm. It's so intricate. It's like, you know, it's it's such a beautiful thing on its own. So I'm also super proud working on that. I can tell you fun facts about jet engines
1: go for
0: it yeah let's let's have some
2: (laughs) (laughs) well there you go did you know that when a jet engine is operating in the air it the you know the part that burns in the engine is actually operating at a third of the temperature of the sun so it is that hot it is that hot
1: that's crazy that is crazy
2: and and when you're when when you're in the plane like you don't notice that right you you have your coffee you have your tea you watch a movie like you (laughs) don't notice like that piece of engineering next to you (laughs) on a commercial plane engine yes yes so civil large not on like
0: a not we're not talking fighter
1: jet we're talking
2: normal jets so
1: so are are fighter jets hotter
2: yes fighter jets are hotter um it depends on the power requirements yes they are hotter because they have to go faster and they burn a lot more fuel as well
1: so for, for me i'm not I, I don't really have any knowledge in this section so um in terms of the materials for that that should mm-hmm. i'm sh- i'm sure that that would be a um, a custom a customized material to sustain that kind of heat i
2: assume oh yes uh, i can yeah, tell you yeah, more about yeah. this because it's it's actually very interesting so um, yet, well, Obviously, one thing is you need to have some really um, specially designed materials. It's actually a patent protected by the company um, to, to, have, to actually be able to withstand that kind of operating temperature. The mm. other thing is some very clever engineering. So some of the parts of the engine, um, when it is running, the operating temperature is above the metal's melting point.
1: Wow! Wow!
2: Yeah, I know. Like there's metal that spins like at very, very high RPM, and actually the temperature is higher than the melting point of the of the metal. So there are some really clever engineering going on in there um, to prevent the metal from melting. <laughs> I guess
0: coating, coatings of it, protect. Yes,
2: it. yes. It, uh, one is a thermal barrier coating, and the other one is we actually have lots of like cooling holes. Um, that create a film of cool air around the 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 part. It's a it's a turbine blade um, mm. to protect it from the hot, you know, the very very hot air around it.
1: That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the amount sheer amount of projects that we've been uh, questioning you about, um, I'm curious to find what you find is your most prou- What's your proudest project? What's the one that you you think is the coolest out of all of them?
2: Just like you say, there are so many. I think we have touched on the ones that I am really proud of. I think um, the ultrasonic drill, absolutely, right? Um, I mm-hmm. did that during my undergraduate, published a paper. Um, so super proud of that. I think that's, that's one of my first and one of my really, really proud moments um, in my engineering career.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I don't really know what could top that, to be honest, as in... <laughs> <laughs> as, um, yeah to, to perf- um it's a really cool project that yeah, got, yeah. Got published. and especially pub- especially published uh, as an undergrad is yeah. an incredible achievement most most definitely like I'm currently trying to get into one of the robotics journals at the moment and it's just so long and it's just, like and I'm graduated and I'm trying to get my project into a journal and it's just so long to get anything done because there's so much like forms and paperwork and yeah. everything it, it takes in. years i think conference oh, yeah.
2: papers are quicker but like academic journals do take years i did publish another paper later on and it took me like two or three years
1: what was that in out of curiosity <laughs> are we going
2: into that like it's a yeah, i'm
1: it's... just curious <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: my must it's my master's dissertation about technology intelligence so technology intelligence is the the how do you say it's it's the process of scanning for new technologies. So companies mm-hmm. do have to know that. Um, it's like how you have competitive intelligence, market intelligence. Okay. Similarly, you have technology intelligence to either detect a potential competitor or also acquire technology for your company. So yeah, that was more of a theoretical um, uh, research Approach, uh, and yeah. exercise, yeah. But I did publish a paper, and it took like three years.
0: Ying. I did have a Google of you before this podcast. <laughs> what? Um, as I do with all of our, <laughs> all of our uh, interviewees, and I saw that you made it to Forbes 30 Under 30, and you're also a young woman engineer. Um, how did they come about? What was involved?
2: <laughs> yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be awarded to that sort of title. Um, how did they come about? I think it started with. Um, You know, throughout the years actually doing like STEM volunteering and outreach activities, I get to know more people and I get to know about these awards. And um, in 2019, I was nominated for the Young Women Engineers Award. Um, Very, very lucky to have actually won it. Got the prize, um, you know, got the actual award from Sandy Toksvig from Bake Off. Um, So that was another amazing moment. And you know, like a lot of opportunities came after the 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 Young Woman Engineers Award. And and actually someone from Forbes reached out to me and say, hey, um, we saw you in the news press. Do you want to uh, consider applying for Forbes? So so I did, and I uh, actually got listed, which is a bit crazy. Wow. Imagine me telling my mom, like, I'm on Forbes, and then she thought I'm hiding a million dollars away from her. <laughs> yeah, full uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> <a bridge laughs> list. <laughs> <laughs> humble bragging full-on permission would you say that it's would you say that it's hard work what what caused like do you genuinely believe that it's luck that got you here or do you believe that you work particularly hard was was there anything that you feel that you do differently to other people
2: i've always worked hard in my life <laughs> <laughs> um, I think <laughs> right okay I don't know what is the like, right way to answer this yes I do work hard and I think that's also a function of really loving your job and mm-hmm. you know that y- y- it's very difficult to work hard if you don't like what you're doing so because I like what I'm doing yes I do put a lot of effort in it and it's super great that I get recognized at the end of it but I think the the recognition it is great but it doesn't you know it doesn't detract from what you want to do, right? Your your principles, your, your purpose um, in your career. I think that's 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 very very important.
1: That's perfect. That's a hundred percent. On
0: the basis of of you winning all these awards that we've mentioned <laughs> and you doing your dissertation, your your two projects getting and dissertations getting published, would you take a different route into engineering if you could do it again? Would you do it via apprenticeship? Would you not do it at all? I'm sure that's not the answer, but. <laughs>
1: Do you, do you recommend university? Is there anything that you would have done differently, basically? Yeah,
2: I wouldn't have done anything differently. Like I I love my route into engineering, and I think it has opened um up so many opportunities for me. I, however, I do understand that not everyone sort of goes into engineering through the same route, right? Not everyone wants to go to uni, and you know, I think apprenticeships are a great way to get into engineering because you start with hands on. Like, some people just want to create stuff with their hands and and actually, you know, start doing the work and actually learn from doing. And I think that's also a great way to get into engineering.
0: But you wouldn't change yours?
2: I wouldn't change mine because I I had a really great time in uni.
1: (laughs) Well, you went to Hogwarts. You went to Hogwarts 2.1. You know, you (laughs) you did it all. (laughs) Uh, On that subject, people that obviously are listening to this want... uh, most people i would say 16 17 or something like that would be rather confused on what they want to do especially like women in engineering where they don't know if they want to go into the male dominated field etc how do you hope to become an inspiration to these people obviously you've won so many awards that it is an inspiration in itself but Um, Is there anything that you would like to tell people right now, anyone listening, to kind of give them any advice on becoming an engineer in the future?
2: I think one key advice, which is sort of the theme throughout our conversation today as well, right? Um, Engineering is super diverse. There are so many disciplines and there is a place for everyone, no matter what is your background. So I think if you think that the job and the content of the job is interesting enough, go for it. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged by sort of like the, the stereotypes of engineering. And, and it, you will soon find that if you can find passion in engineering, it is a really great place to be.
1: I think we've finished all our questions, but uh, I was going to ask you whether you, do you have anything that you, we haven't asked or haven't said that you would like to deliver to any of the audience today?
2: Yeah, sure. Like for, for young people who might be considering a career into engineering, I want to say that this is a great, um, this is a great career for you to build the future of the world. Right? Engineers do everything from transportation to you know, food production to you know, sustainability. So all the big trends that you're seeing now, if you join engineering, you could be part of, part, part of the group that actually shapes the future. So very exciting career. I do hope you consider it. That's, yeah, that's my great. advice. That's my final yeah. message.
1: Great advice. Thank, thank you for coming on. I think we're probably going to ask you for a season two episode <laughs> because you've got you've got too much. You've got too much not to. No, Definitely. I think we have
2: we have covered.
0: <laughs> She's probably going to win no, more awards. So yeah, by, more the t- talk by the time
1: we do season two, you're going to tell us that you got a Nobel Prize <laughs> and you've got to remember <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on it's been really lovely yeah
0: thank
2: you thank you i absolutely love the conversation thanks for having me today
1: yeah no problem
0: no problem been lovely to talk to you
2: thanks for listening to this episode of the engineering stories podcast we hope it's given you some insight into another area of engineering if you're still here at this point we must be doing something right so stay tuned for the next guest and in the meantime share this episode with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe